Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out the new video streaming app, Quibi. So stay tuned to the end to learn what a Quibi is. So how about we just go into Quibi in the beginning? Quibi is a new video streaming app, kind of like Netflix or Hulu, and it's all about quick bites of content. So every show is formatted with episodes that are eight or less minutes, so you can easily pick up your phone, watch an episode, and then get back to what you were doing. Another really cool aspect of Quibi is that it was designed with your phones in mind, so every show has been edited such that you can enjoy it in portrait or landscape mode. I wish I had known I could flip my phone over to watch more of the screen. I watched every single show that we reviewed vertically on my phone because my rotation is locked on my phone. But I will say that on Quibi, unlike other streaming platforms, when you take a horizontal shot and flip your phone vertically, typically you'll have the black bar at the top and the bottom that allows you to see the full shot just on a much smaller scale. Whereas Quibi crops each shot so that it fills your screen no matter which way that you're holding your phone, which is really cool. Yeah, very thoughtful. We should also let you know this is a subscription service. So $4.99 will get you an ad-supported model and $7.99 per month will get you ad-free. But right now there is a 90-day free trial, so you might be interested in checking it out. Do the ad-free model during this 90-day free trial, even if you don't want to pay for ad-free at the end of it, because... You deserve. Yeah, treat yourself. All right, Peach, why don't we go show by show and let people know our thoughts. Y'all, we reviewed 11, we watched 11 of these shows, so get ready for some speed reviews. These are Quibi reviews. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) These are Quibbies, Quick Bites. Okay, so our first show is Most Dangerous Game. This is starring Liam Hemsworth, and he is a man who is desperate and in debt. And he's in a dystopian thriller where the hunter turns out to be the hunted. So in this, it's just like the classic tale of Most Dangerous Game where Miles Sellers, played by Christoph Waltz, offers Dodge the opportunity to be hunted by wealthy people and set up his family for life financially because he is dying from cancer. And I really liked the dramatic aspect to this show. It was very dark. There's high contrast in this show. Good shadows, bright white light, and they don't want to tell you too much, which could be also them trying to lead you into it in just eight minutes. But I actually liked the suspense, and you were constantly saying, who is Dodge? What's going on with his family? Why does he need the money? What stood out to you? I thought the acting was really good. So obviously, Christoph Waltz is an icon of acting. And then Liam Hemsworth was really great, too, and helped build that intrigue that you were talking about, Beach. of even though the show didn't give us a lot, we wanted to learn more. It was originally pitched as a movie and was reformatted for Quibi shows, which is why I learned that after I watched. But it makes sense because this first episode, to me, felt like a really good trailer. Yeah, there is high production value. I think this would lead anyone into wanting to know more. So it makes sense that this could be a trailer for a feature film. Would you watch more episodes? I would. I like the story of Most Dangerous Game and... This first episode definitely got me hooked. What about you? I don't know about hooked, 
But I do want to know if he survives because The Most Dangerous Game is a classic tale that has been remixed in different ways where sometimes the poor person being hunted survives. Sometimes they turn the hunting back on the hunter. So I want to see how they interpret it in this go. And again, the acting was really great. I would just love to see more of that. Going from The Most Dangerous Game to The Game of Life, we'll head over to Sophie Turner's Survive. So in this drama, Sophie Turner plays a character named Jane, and it's a little dark. She wants to end it all. And so we find her in a facility where she's living with other people, struggling with some mental health issues. And we're going to now find out what does she want to do with the rest of her life. And how long does she want the rest of her life to be? Correct. In this first episode, we learn that she is coming up on the end of her stay at the mental health facility. So the premise of the show overall is that she gets on a flight, presumably to go back home, and it crashes. And so she and Paul, played by Corey Hawkins, will have to survive together. We don't get to that in this first episode. So we do have at least that assurance that she does not successfully complete attempting suicide at all. Right? Like while she's at the facility. She survives to the second episode. How did you feel about it? This took a much darker turn than I was expecting. To be fair, the show does warn you that there are some disturbing scenes and there's a lot of blood in the second half, which kind of took me back. But I think it really added to the drama and the emotion that you see Jane going through. And I also want to give points to the writers for using clinical descriptions of mental health conditions yes, because they spelled it out very clearly and it's not just kind of generic terms that people will sometimes assign to people. This is based actually on a novel by Alex Morrell of the same name and there was a care taken in the writing. I'm not sure if it's because of adapting it from a larger piece, but I completely agree with you, Beach. I felt like there wasn't this stigmatization of these characters and what they're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, And also Sophie Turner was great in this. Would you watch more episodes? I think I would. I'm thinking back on how this first episode ended. And there's this kind of theme throughout the first episode of whether or not Jane is a good liar. Mm. And that was enough to make me want to know where her character is going next. How did you feel? Like most dangerous game, I don't think I'm sprinting to the next episode, but I agree. I think this one, even more than most dangerous game, built intrigue for me because she does open and close the episode with saying she's a good or bad liar. And I didn't know which one she was. I was really into it. It's a little scary. I wouldn't want to actually meet Jane. Facts. So now let's head into something more lighthearted with our couple who wants to be the next home renovation TV celebrity stars. So in this show, Flipped, we have a comedy starring Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen. They're playing Jan and Cricket, and they think they have what it takes to become TV's newest house flipping couple on the fictional channel HRTV, Home Renovation Television. When they try to become house flippers and get a show they end up having to flip a house for a cartel. That doesn't happen in this first episode, but they do still manage to fit in a lot. We get to see Cricket get fired from her home improvement store. We get to see Jan fired from 
his job as a high school play director because instead of Guys and Dolls, which he refuses to put on, he instead does a show about what looks like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory Fire. Yeah, he writes an original musical, Children of the Fire. (laughs) And they even managed to fit in a show within the show because they needed a couple to be jealous of to want to do an HRTV show. So then we get to see Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell get their Chip and Joanna Gaines on renovating a show on this HGTV spoof. So there was a lot happening. And I love Caitlin Olsen and Will Forte. These roles are right up their alley of being self-absorbed, ridiculous people. Yeah, I think it was really impressive that within this eight-minute episode, I feel like I totally know what Jan and Cricket are about and where they're going. Mm -hmm. Their introduction that their previous jobs really sold their characters. And it makes you want to see how are they going to treat renovating a home and how would they deal with criminals? Because that seems very much outside their wheelhouse. Especially since they are so obsessed with each other and with I would say beyond supporting each other, but enabling each other's egos, it'll be Mm -hmm. great to see them prop each other up against this obstacle. That'll be fun to either watch it fall apart or them double down even harder on thinking they are the greatest people on the planet. So the question is, are you interested to follow them on this journey? Yes. I want to watch more episodes of this show. What about you? I think I'll check out at least one more episode. I want to see the drug cartel storyline at least come into play. Fair. Speaking of crime, let's take things over to Chrissy Teigen's courtroom with Chrissy's court. In this show, Chrissy is the judge. Pepper Ty, her mom, is the bailiff. And John Legend and her daughter Luna make an appearance as well. And she gets to judge petty grievances between people. In this first episode... A restaurant lounge singer was upset and sued a young man who asked him if he could put on a rap song while he was singing. And the request from the young man startled him so much that he backed into the speaker and knocked it over, breaking it. Although... Kind of breaking it? Yes. When when John Legend asked him to test the speaker and sing, it did not appear to be broken. But in any case... He was doing it his way, Frank Sinatra joke. So So how did you like it, Beach? You know, I do like a good daytime court TV show. Mm -hmm. Been a while since I've been able to watch them, but this takes me back to like sick days in like school when I'd be home at noon. And I think Chrissy makes a great judge. And I like that she recognizes that she's unqualified. But she's going to do it anyway. She doesn't even know how she should be referred to as because she knows she's not a real judge. I like that both she and Pepper Ty referred to Chrissy's role differently. And I don't think anyone knew what was right. Yeah. Including the viewer at home. We're all just here. But I think it was fun. Chrissy's fun. I wasn't actually expecting John to come in as an expert. I figured if the first case was singing... I expected him to waltz through those doors. I did. <laughs> and sing? Yes. The John Legend does not turn down a moment to sing because I think there are a few singers with his level of talent like that are so classically trained like he is, that are so talented like he is, who could sing at the drop of a dime. And so I, I think he was excited for that. There is definitely good energy from everyone. And 
no spoiler. The case was closed in a very Chrissy Teigen way. Yeah, you saw you saw that ending a mile away. Do you want to watch more episodes? This one, I'm not opposed to it, but I don't know if I'm going to seek out more of Chrissy's court. What about you? I agree. I wish they had just had her do a talk show anyway, because I think the court is just a vehicle for her personality. And I wish they trusted her personality to do something less gimmicky like this. You don't have to dress Chrissy up in a judge's robe for me to want to listen to her. I already follow her on Twitter and Instagram. Give her a show. Give her a talk show. I completely agree. All right, let's take things from petty grievances to actual murder with Murder House Flip. In this show, designers Michael and Joelle are trying to renovate a home that these two adorable grandparents live in that is the space where Dorothea Puente killed seven people and actually buried them in the backyard. We know that she buried them in the backyard because... The grandma and grandpa living in the house gave us a tour of where each body was buried. How did you feel about this one, Beach? I think this is a very unexpected concept. Yeah. To specifically renovate homes that are the sites of murder. I like the energy that Joelle and Michael were giving. And the couple in this home in Sacramento, very sweet. I was just a little confused because I wanted to see some of the renovation ideas and plans. And this first episode is definitely about the background of Dorothea, where she committed the murders, how she did it, which was also fascinating because I didn't know the details about her and her murders. I had heard of Dorothea Puente, but I did wish for more house stuff. I think I was in more of the mood for HG or HRTV and less in the mood for this is where a torso was buried. (laughs) Also, Michael and Joelle, I loved the energy that they were giving as well. At one point, they go, murders and makeovers usually don't go together. And then at one point, they go, I guess we'll try to flip it to make it something positive. And so (laughs) I love that they were in a bit of disbelief like the rest of us. Also, this home was a five bedroom, one bath. How do you have all those people in one bathroom? Old style homes didn't have many bathrooms. And they sleep in the bedroom where the murders happened because it's the room closest to the bathroom. With the original floors that are probably stained with blood. Oof. All right, Beach. Would you watch future episodes to find out if they find the other body parts from the torso burial? You know, I don't think I'm going to. I really wanted Joelle to ask about color schemes, but instead she asked where the bodies were buried, Mm -hmm. and that's where they lost me. I agree. I actually cheated and just went to the third episode and scrolled halfway through to see how the house turned out. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'll just keep doing that. And I potentially recommend that to our listeners. I don't think I'll watch the journey. You don't need the background on each murder? No. If you are into true crime to that extent, then I think this is for you. I like true crime. I just don't want it mixed with my renovation shows. That's fair. It's an acquired taste. Yes. Me too. Mornings just don't feel right without a cup of coffee. True. You're a grumpy bear without coffee. But lately, you've been quite jovial. Have you been drinking something new? Funny you should ask. Have you heard of Fruit of the Bean? They wait until you order to roast their coffee beans so you get the freshest product possible. And right now, they're offering 20% off all of their coffee. That's definitely something worth getting excited about. And there's more. Really? Yes, really. 
Fruit of the Bean donates 10% of their income to supporting orphans and those affected by human trafficking. Just go to fruitofthebean.com and order now. Okay, me too. Let's head into our next show, which sounds a little familiar. It's Punked, made by our friends at MTV, but this time it's hosted by Chance the Rapper. And in our premiere episode, we have Meg the Stallion, who's our victim of being punked. And thanks to the help of her dog, Bo, and her friend, EJ, she has to deal with a gorilla attack. What moments stood out to you in this first episode? Several. So listeners, as background, BJ and I just laughed for five minutes trying to get these words out because there were so many quotable moments from Chance the Rapper punking Meg the Stallion. One, Chance the Rapper is incredibly charming. If y'all haven't seen him host SNL, 10 out of 10 would recommend. And then two, Meg the Stallion is just so real that she's just the wrong person and the right person to pull this kind of prank on. At one point, she tried to call the police on the gorilla. She got mad that they were meeting this guy to get her dog back behind this warehouse instead of in front of the warehouse. There is a part where the gorilla breaks free and this actor plays a bystander who then is attacked by the gorilla and he runs around the car several times and tries to open the car door and Megan closes it back up to protect herself from the gorilla, functionally sacrificing that man for her safety and jumps to the other side of the car to make sure she locks that door too. So they were just, I had to pause it several times to just laugh. That was so good. It was such a good episode. They came out the gate swinging with that one. What about you, Beach? I 100% agree. This was laugh out loud funny. And something that Me Too and I also talked about after watching it is it was so good to see someone like Meg the Stallion in this because she was very much a real person. She was pissed that her dog was lost and yes. that some random stranger had foe. And she was also thinking like a smart, competent human saying it's sketchy to meet someone behind a building. Yes. But she still sent her friend EJ out to pick up the dog, even though she saw that gorilla. I just love, I love that. She yelled at her best friend because her best friend lost her beloved, beloved dog. I just thought it was so real. Yeah, I loved it. I just have to include our quote just because Me Too brought it up. Should we call the police? You can't call the police on no gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the so the driver of the car was part of the prank too, was one of the actors. And so Meg asks him, should we call the police? And he turns and says, we can't call the police on no gorilla. And Meg goes, why not? Why not? Oh, it was so good. She also lunged at her friend after when she learned it was a prank, which also <laughs> brought me such joy. Someone had to hold her back. Which I get. I would feel similarly. I get it. So Beej, would you watch more episodes? I don't know. I'm torn. I really enjoyed this episode. But I don't know if every guest is going to be as fun to watch as Meg the Stallion. I agree. I would recommend to our listeners to take it on a case-by-case basis. So depending on who's getting punked, watch those. I don't think you need to watch these sequentially. And I would 100% recommend specifically this episode. Meg the Stallion is great. She just is great. And I'm grateful for her. (laughs) (laughs) So now... Since we're talking about musicians, we're going to actually go into another show that only I watched because, you know, Me Too and I do like to watch different shows. Mm -hmm. 
and I checked out a documentary series called And Music. And this one is looking at all the many music masters. Some of them are playing instruments, others are using computers, some are balancing audio levels, and it's looking at who are the people who are critical in making a performance come together. Hmm. And the cool thing about this episode is we were introduced to the famous DJ Martin Garrix, but also his creative director, Gabe Fabroni. And here we're learning a lot about how Gabe Fabroni works with Martin to create unique shows. So every time Martin gives a performance, his music is unique. There's some planning to what type of songs and styles they'll start with, but they're always freestyling. And it turns out Gabe Fabroni and his team are also freestyling along with them. Oh, wow. It's this collaborative effort where they kind of rehearse what type of lights they want to use and have a base of these are the effects we can incorporate. This will go along with the beats that you're interested in. But then they can play with that live during a show. How did you like it, this deep dive into DJ's lives? I actually thought it was really cool because I never thought much, unfortunately, about the people who help set up the show for an artist. Yeah. And I never realized that maybe the lights in particular for like a rave techno setup could be unique to that particular performance and aren't staged and rigged like you'd see in a theater performance or other types of concert. So I think this was a cool look into the behind the scenes. And I think a really emotional connection that you get to help understand how they do things is you learn that Gabe's brother had difficulty expressing his emotions verbally. So he's all about picking up on people's energies to Mm. communicate with them. And he takes that into his shows so he can portray emotions and feelings through the energy of his lights to help complement the music. I thought that was like mind-blowing. Wow, empathy in production. Exactly. That's really interesting. I loved that, for example, about Five Foot Two which was Lady Gaga's Netflix documentary and Homecoming, which was Beyonce's epic Netflix documentary, which is I loved seeing their performances, but also the work and the care that goes into the production side of it. Mm -hmm. And in Five Foot Two and Homecoming, you get to see some of that. But I definitely was curious about more because those, of course, are through the lens of the performers Whereas this sounds like it's through the lens of the people doing those production elements that the performers are relying on and helping oversee, of course. So I'd recommend this if you want to see that behind the scenes from the perspective of creative directors, production managers, the technicians, and see how they look at performances and shows. Wow. Thanks, BJ. Are you going to watch more episodes? You know, I'm going to keep watching. I was very tempted to go straight into the second episode, but we had some other shows to review, so I had to put a pause on it. Fair. One of those other shows we reviewed, which is still in the realm of putting on a show, is Nightgowns, led by season nine drag race winner Sasha Sasha Velour, who puts on this drag showcase, Nightgowns. And this Quibi show is following her trying to put on her most ambitious production of Nightgowns yet. And you also get to meet her collaborator, Johnny Velour, who is also her partner. How did you feel about it? 
I thought this was really fun in the style of and music, seeing what goes into putting together a show. This is additionally fascinating because Sasha is the producer, director, and starring in this show, Nightgowns. Yes. So it's even more pressure, even more work putting together a show. Just from what I remember doing, like theater productions in middle school, mm. there's a lot that goes on behind the scene, creatively, directorially. It's also very expensive. Yes. <laughs> so it was, it was cool to see her and Johnny in those planning stages. What did you think? I agree. So if you are a fellow Drag Race fan, then we know the legend of Miss Sasha Valor. And so she's incredibly talented and also an enigma who doesn't let on a lot about her personality. So one thing I was looking for in this first episode, which we got a little bit of, was a look into who she is. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the time she's one of those artists who lets her work speak for itself, which I think is great. But if you're doing a show about you, then I want to know about you. So I personally want to watch more episodes of this show, but specifically not just for the incredible production that she's putting on, but also to get to know Sasha Velour a little better. And I hope that we'll get to do that in future episodes. Mm -hmm. I will say, though, that I watched this show vertically. And after (laughs) BJ taught me that I could take the rotation lock off my phone and flip it sideways, the show looks much cooler when you hold your phone horizontally I would not recommend watching this show vertically. I don't think it quite works on Quibi to just watch it vertically. You want to see as much as you can of Sasha Velour's productions. At the end of this first episode, we see one of her performances, and you need to see the entire stage to get Mm -hmm. the full impact. Do you want to watch more episodes of the show? I know this isn't specifically a musical performance, Mm -hmm. but I'm not interested in nightgowns the show Mm -hmm. within the show yeah so i don't think i'll watch this kind of documentary of sasha putting it together what about you i'm definitely gonna watch more episodes speaking of performers we have nicole richie as nikki fresh who is pitching with her collaborator gerald goldstein to her husband joel madden and his twin brother, Benji Madden, for Madden Records, an ethical trap rap album from Nikki Fresh. She's going to make parent trap, mommy rap. And in this first episode, we really just see her pitch the concept to her husband and his brother, the, of course, twins from Good Charlotte. But we actually get to close the episode with a music video, Parent Trap. So this was fun. Yes, It is a comedy series, so it's a little absurd and over the top. But I like that Nicole Richie has created a new persona for herself and also created a new genre for herself. You know, this is a playlist for her garden. This is inner species music. This is conscious rap for teachers, rabbis, and Virgos. (laughs) (laughs) She talked about being a Virgo quite a bit. And I just don't think that's been done before, at least to the extent that she can deliver that music to the people and Mm -hmm. the world and non-living beings. And interspecies. It's for everything, not just everyone. Yes. And I like that she's going to take us on that journey. I want to see what her merch looks like. I want to know what a mindfulness apron looks like. Yes. 
And I'm ready for more Nikki Fresh. That's my conclusion from this episode. How did you feel? I love Nikki Fresh. I love Nicole Richie. 10 out of 10 would recommend the show Great News on Netflix. It unfortunately only lasted two seasons, but Nicole Richie is great on that. She's just fantastic when you ask her to play a heightened version of herself to the point where I can't tell what's heightened or what's Nicole Richie, but she plays into that absurdity and the expectations of her absurdity so well. So she just was wonderful in this. I also think people don't know that she is black or biracial. So that was cool for her to say on the show. I think that will surprise some folks. But yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I will watch more episodes. And the highlight for Nikki Fresh compared to other Quibi shows is that these episodes are like five to six minutes long. Even shorter. So now we're heading into a show that's all about traditions and culture and kind of recapturing these old styles of pasta making that might be forgotten in different parts of Italy. This show is led by chef Evan Funky, and he is traveling to Italy for a month, leaving his restaurant, and he's in pursuit of pasta perfection. And he's trying to uncover different crafts and cultures that are rare and even pasta shapes that are forgotten. So he's literally all about different shapes of pasta. And in this first episode, he heads to Italy to learn about rascatieri. And this is a type of rare pasta that's all about this scratched shape. So it kind of looks like you scratched it with your fingernails. And it's only in this small town of about 600 people. And everyone there is starting to get a little bit older. And so he wants to make sure that he can take those traditions, the history behind it, and bring it back to America so that they won't risk it being forgotten if there's no one to continue the tradition. Yes, he's preserving culture through food and goes to learn from Nona Teresa, who is one of the last people ever who knows how to do this pasta shape. And it was cool to watch her make it because she said she'd been making it since she was six years old. So no weights, no nothing like that. She just could feel how much of each different type of grain to put together And then she had that motion down, of course, of making that scratch pasta, however you would describe the sliding the dough across the table to make that claw shape. And it looked really tasty. It looked so meaty. I love a meaty pasta. Yeah, we don't typically see pasta that like big and wide. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely going to hold so much sauce, which also looked delicious. So I would want to try rascatieri. Go ahead, BJ. I did take Italian. Come ti chiami? Mi chiamo, me too. What do you think of this journey that Evan is on? Are you interested in rare types of pasta? I thought it was beautiful, the work that he's putting in to preserve culture. He literally cries at the meal he's having with that family because he feels so passionately about this. And I loved that. It's like how in salt, acid, fat, heat, She cried when she tried that really, really, really good cheese. And so I believe his passion and it made me care about preserving these pasta shapes. I also think it's uniquely suited for Quibi because I wouldn't watch more than six minutes of that, though. (laughs) Um, So I would watch more episodes. I think I would jump around, watch it very casually, but it's beautifully shot and you do end up caring 
I think, about preserving this culture. I agree. This is definitely a good casual watch. The passion and care that he has for these cultures and traditions is clear, and it comes across in a moving way. I was moved as well. Oh, Beach. Well, going from passion to chaos, I watched Dismantled while you watched And Music, so we could cover a greater spread. And this show was hosted by Titus Burgess, where two blindfolded chefs are contestants who have a dish blasted in their faces that they have to remake. In this first episode, the judges were Queer Eyes' Antony Porovsky and Schitt's Creek star and co-creator Daniel Levy, and the contestants were Priyanka and Joe. In this case, they had a tomato-based dish shot at them, which was incredibly visual to see that red everywhere. And it was really visceral to watch them try to catch food in their mouths and then pluck it off whatever services they surfaces they could find to try to figure out what the dish was. At one point, Joe pulled a piece of food off his boot and ate it. Off his boot? Like shoe? He kept saying, I got it off my boot. Do you think the whole blasting food in people's face adds to the excitement of a cooking show? It's already difficult if you're blindfolded and you're given a plate of food to determine what it is. Mm -hmm. But blasting it at them ruins the shape of it. So you have an even more deconstructed plate to then try to put back together. I think they do have to blast more straightforward dishes. But I was impressed how close both Priyanka and Joe got with the ingredients. That's a good point. So they get a lot of the flavor, but the texture could be messed up. Mm -hmm. Neither of them, I don't think this is a spoiler. I don't think you would expect this. Neither of them gets the dish, but how they interpret putting the ingredients they tasted together and getting that texture, like you said, because they get to feel some stuff was impressive. Okay. So you think it was fun? Did Titus offer some good, fun energy? So that was the highlight of the show. Do I want to watch more episodes of this? Meh. Again, this felt like a fun YouTube show. So in the same way that I sometimes scroll through YouTube and watch like a a five-minute episode of something ridiculous, I would probably scroll through this. And it's because of Titus Burgess. He is so good in this role, and I am ready for him to host everything. Like, he should host major award shows. He's so charming. He can sing. He can dance. He can act. He himself is funny, like he's very smart with his comedy. So, and if you think about it, judges on competition shows already have limited time to shine. But on a Mm -hmm. six minute competition show, (laughs) Titus has like 20 seconds to make his mark. And he still was wonderful. Awesome. And how do you feel now knowing that you could have turned to landscape? Do you think there was more to the show that you missed? I think I just would have seen more of the blast zone. And maybe the two cooks cooking at the same time versus one or the (laughs) other. But other than that, I don't think I missed anything significant there. If we're thinking overall, which we're going to jump into of an overall rank, where I really missed on portrait versus landscape, of course, was nightgowns. Mm -hmm. And flipped. I think you realized a few scenes. Yes. The show that Jan writes in Flipped is so much funnier. Flipped into horizontal mode versus on vertical mode. So how about we go into kind of our overall ranking? What are some of these shows that we think fit well on the Quibi platform? My favorites were Nikki Fresh, 
gotta love that they packed so much comedy and lightness and fun in five minutes. Flipped because Will Forte and Caitlin Olsen are just so talented. And nightgowns, especially once I learned again to turn my phone over because they were just so beautiful. And I would say my top picks would be Nikki Fresh as well Mm. and music and Most Dangerous Game. I like that drama thriller aspect. True. So what's your second tier? Ooh, maybe punked and flipped and Shape of Pasta. So the ones in my mid-tier are probably Shape of Pasta, Punked, depending on the star, Most Dangerous Game, and Dishmantled, and Survive. And then the ones I'm probably not going to watch more episodes of are Murder House Flip and Chrissy's Court. I forgot about Murder House Flip, which says a lot. Which says a lot. Which ones do you think you'll skip on? That one, Chrissy's Court, I can take it or leave it. I think Mm -hmm. she's fine with her own Instagram and Twitter videos. That's true. I feel like I watch Chrissy's Court every day when I check out her Instagram stories because her mom and her kids and her husband, John, are all present. Mm -hmm. And I guess one last thing just overall about Quibi, which I think is really good about the app, is they include all of the cast, crew, and studio information on the individual show pages. And like Me Too told me when we were watching, there was an actor that she was interested in knowing more about, and you can click right onto their profile and you get their social media links, which is great. Yes, I was obsessed with Jared Goldstein from Nikki Fresh, and I was really excited to see that I could click through and immediately start following this wonderful person. So we hope you enjoyed this look at the new platform Quibi. We're not actually sponsored, but this just seemed like something new and exciting we wanted to review for you guys. If you're interested in reviews for any and every other streaming platform and network, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com. And if you want some additional content, we have exclusive episodes of The Pilot Podcast Deep Dive, where we take a deep dive into a single show. And you can find more on that by going to join.thepilotpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, your Quibi faves to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye.